This is the Education Gadfly Show. See, this is what we need, Robert. If we would only meditate more, I think we'd both feel a lot better. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me welcoming my co-host, the Tom Brady of Education Reform, Robert Pondicio. The the, the rejoinder that I... Are we a family podcast? I look, you have been vindicated is what I mean. You know, that you're you're the golden boy. You're like, only you could bring down the establishment. That's what I mean, Robert. You, for example, have been saying... For years, uh, all this, you know, mumbo jumbo about core knowledge and content and literacy. And look how you're vindicated. SAT scores plummet. Oh, there See? you go. Vindicated. Okay. I That's what I mean. I'm not calling you a cheater. Okay. Uh, like right. Tom Brady, okay. uh, you know, or an accused cheater. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying you've been vindicated. And, and Giselle is not waiting for me at the end of the podcast, either, is she? I don't think yeah, that she well. is. The thing I love about the Tom Brady thing is that it gave Rick, our good friend Rick Hess, an excuse to write a blog post about Deflategate uh, yeah. over the weekend. Because he is, of course, a huge Patriots fan. I, I found the rest of his blog to be a little bit of a stretch. But at least we got to hear him, uh, you know, spout off on the NFL. And it's unfair treatment towards the hero Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to football season. I mean, and, and as a Bills fan, and I'm, I'm, I, I can almost admit that now they're they're mm-hmm. achieving respectability. We hate the Patriots uh, just because they've had their wicked way with us for, yes. for many a year now. But but this year is going to be different. No just, pun intended. Just, just wicked like because they're Absolutely. wicked good up there in New England. Okay, enough of the sports talk. We're here to talk education reform. So let's get started. Kate, let's play. Pardon the Ganfly. The Washington State Supreme Court ruled on Friday that charter schools are unconstitutional in the state. Is there something about Washington's constitution that makes this decision inevitable? Oh, Robert, let us count the ways. So this was a very creative decision from the Washington Supreme Court. Shall I mention this court is an elected court? Shall I mention that one of the largest campaign contributors to the folks who voted Mm. in this way was the Washington Education Association? Shocking, right? Shocking. Shocking. It came out of nowhere. Friday Follow afternoon, who was the expecting money. it? And yeah. boom. There it is. Oh, yeah. Friday afternoon before Labor Day. Good way to try oh, to Labor Day, bury the news. Except, hey, guys, it's going to be news because there's 2,000 kids in charter oh, schools, man. including some that just opened days ago, who are now thrown into total chaos okay and here's here's why they found it unconstitutional because there's some phrase in the constitution that the state is supposed to provide for quote common schools, common schools. there are similar phrases in state constitutions across the country sometimes they talk about a uniform system of public education mm-hmm. so on and so forth uh, no other state's supreme court has found that language to bar the state from creating charter schools but Going back to a 1909 decision in Washington state, this court did so. Uh, they, they said that these common schools have to be under direct control of locally elected school boards. And because charter schools are not, they cannot be common schools and therefore they cannot be funded by the state. And, and here there's some wonderful language. If you go back to that 1909 decision uh, and I've got it in front of me, I'll read it to you. The, the reason that local control of common schools was so important back in 1909 is because quote, it protected the right 
invited the voters through their chosen agents to select qualified teachers with, and this is the important part, ready? Mm-hmm. With powers to discharge them if they are incompetent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happens a how, lot. How does that work uh, right now in Washington Come State? on. Yeah. Did, by the way, did we mention that there's a teacher strike uh, coming in Seattle? Gee, I mean, boy, it all say. comes together. Look, this is uh, obviously terrible news for the children of Washington and, and difficult. The legal bit, bit, look, it's a state Supreme Court. It's a, it's a state constitutional issue. Yeah. This is pretty much the end of the road. There's there's no appeal process per se. Uh, now, what you can try to do is have the uh, the legislature work towards a constitutional amendment. Yep. Uh, but that's a tough lift. This was, of course, one of the last states to adopt a charter school law. In the end, it was by voter referendum. And, uh, you know, not clear where this goes from here. A lot of effort on behalf of charter school supporters out there and nationally to keep these schools open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than anything else, hey, let, let's call it what it is. Rank hypocrisy when the unions still try to say that, hey, we, we support charter schools. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, with, our, with our campaign donations to the judges and the... Tell, tell that to these 2,000 kids. Yeah, it's a shame. Topic number two, Kate. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced last week that he would be launching a review of the Common Core standards and related tests and curriculum. Is this an appropriate response to the statewide opt-out? So here's Cuomo riding the populist wave. There, there. You know, we, we're seeing this right now. To be a New Yorker. Look, look. You know, we got Donald Trump. Uh, you know, you got Ben Carson out there. You got Bernie Sanders. We are at a populist moment right now. And Andrew mm. Cuomo, he is trying to be with the people, right? You've got all these. Blows. Look. You got all these parents out there angry. They're opting their kids out. They're saying something's yeah. not working. He's puts his finger in the wind and says, I agree with you. But is is what's happening in New York? And, and let's face it, there is something big happening in New York. Sure. Is it about Common Core? Great question. And, and what, what in, well, um, let's unwind this a little bit. What infuriates me, frankly, about my governor, because I live in New York, uh, his pronouncement that he's reviewing Common Core. We were talking football before. So th- this is like watching one series of downs in the second quarter and deciding which team is, you know, is, is good or not, which mm-hmm. is insane. I mean, you're saying it's early in the game, not just early in the game. It's a small sample size. Who, wh- where did he get the idea that Common Core was going to be change everything overnight? Which right. is if that w- w- so. That, I just think that's disingenuous. He knows better than that. So to your point, I think he's just got his finger to the wind and he's checking which way the wind blows and he can do this to mollify angry parents and teachers. The thing that infuriates me about this even more is if he wants to review something, it's not Common Core, it's not the assessments that need to be reviewed. It's his own teacher evaluation program because he's trying to have it both ways. He's he's probably he's trying to say, well, let's review the standard, but I'm going to keep this incredibly aggressive teacher evaluation uh, system. That's what's driving, yeah. I believe, the discontent. Teachers are upset. They're, those Common Core has become the receptacle for this, but what they're really, and I think what parents are upset about, is is their kids' schooling becoming test-driven. Right. And, and that's not Common core that's Cuomo's uh, evaluation plan. You know, he, he is one of the only governors in the country that has moved ahead with these taste, test-based teacher evaluations at the time that we're moving to higher standards right. and more difficult tests. Uh, and these teachers, understandably, I think, feel like, hey, they've got the sword of Damocles over their head. And it is hard to make the instructional shifts and try new things and work collaboratively on these new standards no, when you, when you feel it's threatened. Impossible. All right. So it's just asking too much. All right. So, so, you know, but yeah, Cuomo, because he's, he's really dug in before on the teacher evaluation thing. And frankly, the reason, part of the reason is he hates the teachers unions, right? Yeah. 
I mean, which is interesting. He's a Democrat, but he's been at war with the teacher unions. And so, you know, rather than do something that, where he could side with the teachers and the parents mm-hmm. and figure out some other approach on teacher evaluation, he's trying to figure out some way to be with the parents against the yep. unions a little too cute by half. Look, you can never know. Governor Cuomo, mind. here's the deal. Ditch the teacher evaluation. Stick with the common core. What you said. It just feels very, very cynical. Robert, I think you and I are kind of in a bad mood today. Are we? I'm a I mean, we just, we just seem cranky. It's hard. You know, it's after Labor Day weekend. We're tired. It's I don't know. The, all the summer's over. Is that what this is about? No, it's well, I know what it's cra- what, what you're cranky about is that the, the, the Nationals are not going to make the postseason. Oh, it's actually more that my sons have lice. But that's a whole oh. nother story. OK, topic number three. A recent article in The Atlantic reports that the mindfulness and education movement is gaining traction in California, New York, and Washington, D.C. Is this a hoax, or could an ancient Buddhist tradition actually have lasting positive effects for students? See, this is what we need, Robert. If we would only meditate more, I think we'd both feel a lot better. Thank you. You were good at that. I actually now feel better after hearing you say that. So so this, I feel like we see these articles every couple of years. There's a new one in The Atlantic, and and it basically says that some schools are experimenting with teaching kids mindfulness, with teaching kids meditation, basically. Uh, This is part of the movement towards building non-cognitive skills. Sure. The, the idea social here, emotional learning. social emotional learning, the help is, is to try to help kids if they're feeling anxious, if they're feeling stressed, to help them calm down, uh, but to also help them make good decisions yep. by noticing what they're feeling and, and before they act on those feelings is to be able to take a pause. Hey, all of us could benefit from this, sure. right? Let, let me not dump on it too much. I mean, I, I'm enough of a traditionalist, as you know, uh, to, to look at something like this and my knee-jerk response would be, you've got to be kidding me. But look, there is uh, some tantalizing evidence out there that says, yeah, this this could be uh, significant. This could be a real thing. Now, we've both been around long enough to know this is how fads start, right? So, you know, you get one little bit of, a, of evidence that says, hey, maybe this is promising. Let's look into this. And suddenly, this is the thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, let's, let's examine that evidence. Is it small-scale evidence or is it like A, B, longitudinal studies? Uh, it's a lot more of the former. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything of the latter. All right, let me ask you this. Does this uh, violate the separation of church and state is this religious um, practice when you have a bunch of kids cross their legs and put their you know hands palm up on their knees and yeah. and say oh maybe but wasn't this challenged by at least what one parent group in a school district saying it was religious based well that's, that's i mean that's what some people think you know maybe so yeah maybe so but i mean you know stuff like to be serious about this for a second promising research follow it up but let's not follow this potentially good idea off the end of a cliff like we do with so many other potentially good ideas okay there you have it come on robert that was supposed to be a real debate i thought you were going to take the hook on that one i am a little disappointed but after all that oming you you were so calm exactly i took the fight out of you you did it's mindfulness man Man, i should have done that at the beginning all right that's all the time we got for pardon the gadfly now it is time for everybody's favorite amber's research minute Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Are, are you as deflated by Deflate Gate as Robert I and I are? I'm so over it. You're over. Just, I'm over it. Like, let's move on. You do know? you do you believe that Tom Brady got? I think he, uh, I think he probably knew because he's been around a long time and he probably knows what a in, uh, inflated and deflated football feels like. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Um, but I guess I just don't care that much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sorry, should I care more? Do you I care? don't know. You know, Rick, Rick wrote this whole blog post about this about how this this demonstrates why we need unions is because. <laughs> <laughs> 
because <laughs> managers are capricious. Right. So. I forgot about that particular link. Boy, good old Rick. He can just kind of make a, make it relevant. Well, he, he clearly of, wrote that of. blog post while he was watching uh, a preseason <laughs> right. Pats game. Had a few drinks. All right. What you got? All right. We got a new report out by the Fiscal Research Center at Georgia State University called Willing to Pay Charter Schools Impact on Georgia Property Values. Mm. All right. It seeks to quantify how much families are willing to pay for a higher likelihood of access to a charter school between the years of 2004 and 2013 was the analysis. The analysis, however, has a few flaws. Uh, to go through those first. First, we aren't looking at all of Georgia, as the title would suggest, mm-hmm. but we're looking at 13 <laughs> Metro Atlanta charter schools. Okay. okay. So, you know, kind of a, a big title for a very small study. Uh, they're looking at startups and conversions only that have priority admission zones within their designated attendance zones. Okay. okay? So the rules for when the priority, there's like three pages talking about when the priority zone comes into play and how it interacts with the lottery. Very complex. It differs for each of the different types of charter schools mm-hmm. but the idea is that you get a higher chance of getting into a particular charter school if you reside in the priority zone okay right? uh, analysts limit the analysis to sales within close proximity to the border between priority one and two attendance zones since mm-hmm. they presumably represent a change in admission probability mm-hmm. they claim that residence is close to the border in this clay in the less than a half a mile mm-hmm. should be similar in observable and unobservable ways including access to jobs, amenities, the style mm-hmm. of house, the foreclosures, etc. So the outcome measure, because this gets a, little, it's a little tricky, is the effect of being on the priority one side of the border, mm-hmm. which is situated between zones one and two. Okay. Okay. They control for transaction date, which helps with the housing fluctuations over time. And they limit the sample to arm's length. You know what that means? My husband's in the real estate business. <laughs> no. Arm's length means you didn't sell it to your cousin Louise or whatever. There's, okay. you know, you gotcha. don't know these pers- people. Right. Uh, single family residential transactions. Okay. okay. Their key finding is that households are willing to pay a premium to live in zone one, seven to 13% more for homes there than in zone two. Yet again, the sample's small. And then I started just kind of thinking, like, what what else would I want to know, right, Mm -hmm. to believe this finding? Um, So we're told nothing about the quality of the schools, Mm -hmm. right? We're not told how long they've operated, how often, and which schools have had to make use of the zone preference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nor do we know how familiar parents are with the rules surrounding the zones at all. Mm -hmm. Nor do we know about the relative difference in probability between zones one and two. So Mm -hmm. how sharp is that probability difference? There's no methods appendix. That's the first place I'm like, all right, I'm a little wonky. Mm-hmm. Let me dig through page 28 in the methods appendix. It's not there. So I don't think we know whether these differences are random mm-hmm. or not. Um, and I'm not convinced that the zone comparison they've come up with actually takes care of all the unobservables that might be occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to think, okay, so let's say it's true that households do indeed sort along this priority zone boundary Mm -hmm. and then we'd have to think okay well then that's an an unobservable right there right so what's making them you know what is it about them that's causing them to sort of do this sorting on this Mm -hmm. boundary so anyway i mean i think on the outside i thought well this is a pretty cool way to think about how the public values charters Mm -hmm. um but i just don't think at least for me there wasn't enough care taken in Mm -hmm. the analysis for me to really kind of buy into it so let me understand so 
then it must be the case that these 13 charter schools are serving at least middle-class families, if not affluent families, families that are wealthy enough to be buying homes, right? I mean, you assume that, yeah, I mean, I assume that much of the population of charter school kids out there that are lower income are probably not in homes where they're buying their home. They're probably renting instead to begin with, right? So, which is fine. I mean, Mm -hmm. certainly certainly I believe there's a place in the charter movement for, for, you know, middle-class type schools as well, Mm -hmm. but that's interesting but it's also it's it's a little strange i mean i know the folks in georgia were excited about this the charter folks but you know one of the arguments for charter schools forever has been that we want to actually sever the link between yeah, real estate state. and and quality <laughs> and access right, right? Yeah. i mean yeah there's an irony there isn't it right i mean i guess they probably i mean these kinds of studies have been done before for traditional public schools right. and you certainly do find that there is a premium for quality schools mm-hmm. measured by test scores although i think yeah, there was been some question about i feel like somebody was it marty west or somebody else that looked at whether that held if you looked at growth scores or if it was just things like proficiency rates yeah, which of course know. are much more related to demographics Ethics. and it may be that mm-hmm. the people are basically paying more to be able to send their kids to schools that have very few poor kids mm-hmm. could um, which could be and maybe that's an issue here as well so yeah. bottom line what amber you're so, you're not I mean, convinced i'm not convinced but i thought it was creative right like i really like creative studies yeah. and i think think this was creative but you know just just give me more info about those methods i just want to i love it and, and you know what it, it is creative and it's maps we love maps there's yeah. now this new uh, tool out where you can you can map school attendance boundaries all over the place uh, and you can imagine all kinds of cool things we could do we, we have been in brainstorming been here brainstorming for so if our listeners know of any cool nifty map ideas yeah what's yep. our internet what's our education gadfly.com email something like that Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or they could just email us, Amber. Oh, what, yeah, yeah. what are you what, so much of a that celebrity now that you can't even, you know, I mean, I know you're not on Twitter, but, you know, oh, know. people can tweet me, no, you know. I'm not on Twitter. A Northern at edexcellence.net. That is all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. Oh, I'm Robert Mendicino. <laughs> and I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.